Hello and welcome to the Groove Sofa podcast. I'm Alice and I'm Lucy and together we want to invite guests to come and share their grief with us. Our aim is to cover a whole range of grief from a whole range of people. We're sorry for your loss but we are glad that you have found us. Thank you for listening to the Groove Sofa podcast. In today's episode we welcome Irish to the Groove Sofa. Irish talks about her boyfriend Jeffrey, who she lost suddenly after they had been in a relationship for six years. She spent the first year avoiding her grief until going to therapy, which turned her life around. Irish is now a grief coach and thrives with helping others, all in the name of her boyfriend Jeffrey. So my name is Irish, and um, I'm originally born. Uh, I was born in India. Um, then I moved to Canada when I was about eight years old and um, that was quite a transition at the time to you know go into a brand new place and kind of figure myself out back then and then um, I've been here for 20 plus years and going to school here and all of that and currently I'm working um, in a field of grief support where I do um, talk to people who've lost somebody in their life and I do like straight one-on-one sessions or I do some group support work as well and that all kind of resulted from my own grief before this I had no idea something like this even existed Um, and now it feels like just the right perfect place for me to be at in my life. Wow that's amazing and and you said that you've experienced your own grief what do you mind sharing with us who it is that you're here remembering today? Mm-hmm. Yes, I lost my boyfriend, Jeffrey Lyon, um, in 2017, September 17th. And um, it was extremely, extremely sudden. There was no no um, sight of this happening at all. It, there was a sudden heart failure. Um, I got a call in the morning on a Sunday and I was sleeping and I was ignoring the call and I don't want to answer anything. But then I kept getting a call. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to see who it is. And I saw it was uh, my boyfriend's um, family that was calling me. And um, I answered the phone and they told me that I need to come over right away. And I'm like, okay, I'll drive over. And they're like, no, we're going to come pick you uh, up. So I, um, you know, I'm like, okay, this is strange. And then once I got there, you know, I, there was, I think the street was full of cop cars and, and everybody, like all of his family, extended family, everybody was outside the house. And there was a feeling in my stomach, like this whole world is coming to an end. It was an experience like I've never had before. And in that moment, I still didn't cry. Like, I didn't know what was happening. I'm like, this could all just be, you know, some kind of a joke. It could be just a prank. This could be something, this could be anything. Like, it doesn't have to be that bad. And then I saw his mom. And she came up to me and the words that she said to me was that he's gone. And I'll never forget those words because a lot of times when he would say, you know, bye, when we're like kind of going our own way at the end of the day, he would say, I'm gone. And I used to get so upset and mad at that because I'm like, stop saying those words. I don't like them. And then his mom said that to me the day he passed away and it just crushed everything. And it was so hard to really comprehend it it, it was very confusing because I'm like how does this work like Mm. we live and then all of a sudden we don't like it's just too bizarre of an idea to wrap my head around I remember being basically like a zombie for a year and a half having no idea what's happening like everything around me 
started to feel strange. Nothing seemed the same. It was just extremely difficult to handle. Gosh, listening you say about that call and you know those feelings that you were having my spine was just tingling because it's just the absolute devastation and shock that you know just completely catches you off guard you would never expect to hear that mm-hmm. how old was Jeffrey when he when he passed away he had just turned 34 like a couple months before that three Gosh. months before that so so young and how long had you been together six years up to that point six years that's such a long time to be you know with someone in a relationship and then for him to just go you know and your whole future to be swept from your feet that must have been so difficult Mm -hmm. yes especially because we were really trying to put things together in our life and you know like we were really starting to dream at this point you know where we want to see so much happening for us and it was literally at like the best point in our relationship that this happened Oh gosh, that's so heartbreaking. It's such a pivotal time in both of your lives. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that stage of a relationship, six years is like that kind of, okay, next step, let's, let's go to that next level of commitment. And listening to you tell that story, it sounds like a film, like I can completely understand why you thought this has to be a joke, this cannot Mm -hmm. be real, there must be, you know, where are the cameras? Because Mm -hmm. it really sounds and it like you know did you not know until that moment I mean nobody said anything to you in the car you obviously knew that something was wrong but did you know that he'd passed away until you saw his mum no I didn't I I was told that during the call that something has happened to Jeffrey I'm like okay but I was really not thinking of anything and it's his mom and just looking into his eyes and those words I I trust her so much with what with communicating anything to me that it was the only thing that really made me feel like okay something has truly happened because when I was picked up people were crying in the car and I'm like it's it's something like not good but I just couldn't get myself to believe it until I saw his mom and when she told me those words and then I couldn't even keep up that image I was trying to keep up in my head of this could just be something else it doesn't have to be that bad and that's what really really crushed it yeah really like kind of drove it home for you that moment Mm -hmm. A mm-hmm. moment of realization gosh and but how amazing it is that you've been able to take all of that horrid experience and channel it into supporting you know other people in their grief how how did you find that service was it that you were a service user and then became part of the program or yes um kind of like that so I got the phone number from one of my teachers because Jeffrey and I were going to school together we were studying the same thing because we kind of wanted to work together have our own business that was that's kind of what we were trying to do apart from you know having a life together Um, and I got the phone number from a teacher and I didn't care to like call them because I was like nobody can help me this is just the world my world has ended there's no help so I did I wasn't open to it at all it took me a whole year I kept the number took me a whole year to finally call the number and have the slightest bit of courage to just be able to even say that I need help. That I, I don't know, like I'm, I've just been like kind of waiting for my own life to end this way too, because it happened for him out of the blue. Who knows, it can happen for me out of the blue. So I was just living in that state of mind for a year. And then finally, when I reached out, I went to a support group they offered. I first had a one-to-one with this amazing person who, you know, I still talk to. And she um, 
really, really helped me feel that there's a place where I can be heard, that I don't have to do this alone. I don't have to carry this in my heart all the time. I can bring it out. And then I joined the support group. And in that group, I um, still remember it was really, really hard for me the whole time. I couldn't lift my head up from the ground because I knew I was going to burst out crying so badly that I would lose all control over myself because everyone in that room was breaking apart in their own ways, grieving people they love. It was such an intense experience because it's the first time I realized that this happens to other people. I'm so glad that you, um, after, you know, when you were ready, you felt that courage to take that step and ask for help because, yeah, it's so important. But I think it's so different for everybody and it's not going to work unless you're ready to do it. And, you know, I find it interesting that you say what I realised was that this is happening to other people too. And I think grief can make you feel so lonely and so isolated. But when you connect with other people who's been through a similar thing or who's experiencing grief, it can be a, a massive help to know, almost like have a community of grievers. Mm -hmm, definitely. And I feel that community helps a lot more sometimes than our own family in some ways, because it's hard to open up to family because you're always trying to protect them. And sometimes you feel that if you open up too much, it might overflow into bringing them more pain. And you're just always so concerned. But when there are other people that you don't directly know, you're able to just open up more easily and then connect on that level. And it's some for some reason, it's been it was easier in my experience to deal to connect with people outside of my family to breathe. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's hard as well, isn't it? Because you're still trying to keep up that level of, I mean, at this point, you know, you're all dealing with that sudden loss. And it sounds like you were very close with his family and there's an element of trying to support them whilst you're, you know, trying to support yourself. Mm -hmm. Would you say that first year after he died was, you know, the darkest times or, or did you have times where, you know, you struggled in the years past? It's been the, the hardest time was about a year and a half after his passing. There was not even one day I felt things got a little lighter. It was really heavy every single day. I dreamt of him almost every single day for that time as well, which um, made it, I just wanted to sleep. Like my sleep went up to 16 hours a day for the first couple of months because I didn't want to stay awake. awake. Being awake was too hard. So I ended up spending a lot of time sleeping and I ended up dreaming a lot because of that. Yeah. And when he visited you in those dreams, were they, you know, memories and happy things? Or were you, were you struggling? One of the things I really struggled with after my dad died was dreaming about him, you know, at the end of his life. Yes, dreams. I had all kinds of dreams. I had um, dreams that were remembering him, that were happy dreams, but I had a lot of dreams. One of the most common dreams I had was searching for him. I'm constantly searching. I don't know where he is. I'm trying to call him. I'm trying to figure out. I'm going to, I'm trying to ask everybody I know where he is. And I've like, I had a lot of dreams like that where I'm searching. And then some dreams I had were where he has cancer, which he didn't have in, in real yeah. life. But I had those dreams of him having cancer. Yeah. I, th I think that's, I think that dreams um, and grief are very heavily linked. And I think it's just, perhaps when we've experienced a trauma or a loss, your brain is almost sort of like 
trying to process it and there's not enough hours in the day to process that loss so you're you're, you know you're processing it at night too Mm -hmm. um so I think people listening probably a lot of our listeners will agree with you saying that dreams and sleeping a lot were two massive things that affected them whilst they were grieving was there any other things that you found it affected like day to day Yes, um, I think the one everything. Yes, yes, yes. Um, The one thing was that initially, I think for a couple weeks, I was eating a little bit less, but then I started eating a lot more. And my food went off track because I'm generally, you know, I've struggled with kind of um, binge eating and eating a lot of carbs. So that's been a struggle my whole life. And that's where I kind of leaned again towards those comfort foods and I started to gain weight. Um, and about for a year or so, um, not significant weight, but I did gain weight and unlike losing weight, which is usually what I hear people go through um, after when they're grieving. Mm, it's interesting though, because I think the more that I learn about grief, I find that actually it's a really even split between those two. And it's quite often that people lose the weight kind of initially because they're dealing with that initial shock and that initial trauma. But then the comfort in food kind of comes along, maybe, you know, as the process goes on, as we're feeling really low in mood, as our energy is really low. It seems like on a bad grief day, you just can't cook. You just can't, mm-hmm. I haven't got the energy. Everything feels too heavy. It's too much. I'm going to just go and order a pizza again. Like it's, I could eat a pizza every night of the week on a bad week because yes. <laughs> I just want something that's easy. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it even tastes like. I just need mm-hmm. easy and comforting food. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really hard. You know, I know that you, I'm, I'm definitely in that at the moment where I'm just constantly relying on food to comfort me. And I'm hoping to kind of break that groove, but I think it's just about learning how to get back into that routine. And one of the reasons why food is really difficult is because grief just throws you out of all routine. Everything you knew was normal just goes. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine with a sudden death um, like you've experienced with Jeffrey, it's even more so like that. Mm -hmm. It's even more, you know, trying to find your feet again in in this new world. So you were together for six years, which is a long time. Have you got a favorite memory of him that that you'd like to share with us? Yes, I have so many memories, but I think one that I always think back to and makes me feel just so loved. And I think that that's what I really like to carry with me every day, the extent of love I received from him. And the memory in itself is that I actually have um, a physical disability. So it's like a genetic condition. I've had it since I was two and a half. And um, it, uh, t- my muscles, they get weaker over time, the skeletal muscle. And it's, you know, there's no cure and stuff like that. So I struggle with kind of walking or getting up from certain surfaces and things like that. So in uh, the year he passed away, in that same year, we decided to do a walk for the condition I have. Well, it's not exactly the condition I have, but it's very close to it. Um, we decided to do that walk together. I'd wanted to do that walk for years, but I never did it. And he said, you know, um, he'll help me out and everything. And we did it together for the first time ever. And since then, I've been doing it every year. But um, that was the first time I did it. And there was a point in the walk that it was quite um, hilly. So I was surprised that they chose this path because it's quite a you know a lot of ups and downs with um with the hills and there was a point of the hill that I couldn't like I was so scared to kind of go up it because it was too steep 
and I was scared I was going to fall. So he decided to, you know, hold my hands and he's like, he, he was walking backwards and Aww. I was walking forwards and he took, you know, took my hands and helped me through the whole hill. And, um, and I just felt so comforted and so understood and so appreciated for the person I am just as I am. And I'll always carry that with me because I think I like he was also my first boyfriend ever. So that also adds to that, um, that I felt that I took a long time to really commit myself to somebody to really share myself with somebody. And when I did make that choice, I, I made a really good one. Wow. That's such a lovely memory. It's making me tear up just thinking about yeah, that. Because me too. <laughs> it's that, you know, the fact that you found that that soulmate who would, you know, just let you feel like you're completely, you know, perfect the way that you are and embracing all of those things that you find difficult and really making you feel safe and, you know, giving you time and things like that. I just think there's so many things just from that one memory, which just shine through on what kind of person he was. And that's really, really nice. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you. So having him be your first partner or your first serious relationship, how's that now affected, you know, relationships part, you know, since then, how's that, you know, affected the have you started dating or? Yeah, so um, last year when COVID kind of started is when I met my um, current boyfriend at the moment. And um, he is just, you know, the same amount of love and the same amount of care. And it's amazing to, you know, have him by my side and that level of understanding. It's almost like I feel, you know, Jeffrey somewhere, wherever he is, handpicked him and he's like, you know, you need Aww. to go find Irish and you need to be there. That's lovely. <laughs> Yes, I, I and that's like been very joyful for me in the past year. It's been something that was hard for me to kind of go for at the beginning because I felt that I'll be leaving Jeffrey behind in some way and I didn't want to do that. So I told my current boyfriend that I want to keep him a part of my life. And that and the way I do that is just through things I do to mem- remember him, to celebrate his birthday, stuff like that. I'll continue to do that. And he's completely happy and supportive about that which I really like. I'm really really glad that you've been able to meet someone but still keep Jeffrey you know keep those memories alive and stuff like that and it sounds like you've got a really wonderful partner and I love the fact that you think that Jeffrey um, handpicked him for you that's just so lovely. Um, How so you mentioned you know staying connected to him and you know sharing those memories and stuff what are the typical things you would do on something like a birthday to celebrate Jeffrey's life? Mm-hmm. For, for um, after Jeffrey's passing, there was a lot of things I wanted to do. I, I I almost would rename the country of Canada after his name if I could, but you know things that I could control and kind of contribute to. I I tried to focus on that. So what I did was I initially. Um, got a park bench for him um, close to home, close to his home, so that his family can be connected to that as well. And um, then I also started a scholarship at the school we went to um, because we were studying the same thing. And I started a scholarship there, which happens once a year. So it's been going on for the past three years since he's passed away. And apart from that, on his birthdays, I do like to, um, I, during COVID, I haven't been really able to do that, but I like to go out for a dinner, even if I do it by myself. I have in the past just gone to dinner by myself to our favorite restaurant and just acknowledge that he's still, that he's still born on this day and he's still a part of it no matter what. 
and that's how I kind of celebrate. I love that. And what an amazing legacy for him to have, to have that scholarship running. Do you plan on, you know, continuing running that? Yes, so it was a three-year contract kind of thing that runs, so I have to re, um, uh, redo that. And yes, I do plan on continuing it for as long as I can, and I hope that's until I die. So um, that's my well, goal. That's so nice. And actually, I've got a bench. I've got a couple of benches for my dad, actually, and I love them. I love being in nature, and I love sitting there and watching the world go by and there's just something really nice about it we ha- he was cremated and we don't have like a grave or anything for him so for me like that's where I feel connected to him and I think it's so powerful can you tell us about um, any signs or symbols that you've had from Jeffrey Yes, you know, we talk about benches and there's a particular bench at the cemetery that I, uh, you know, felt like this is just the spot that I want him to be around and his family ended up choosing that as well, the same spot. Um, His uncle is also buried in that area. So that was, I'd been to that exact spot with Jeffrey because he, you know, would visit his uncle and I've been exactly to that spot where he ended up getting buried. And at that same spot as well, I... uh, something a sign I consider it a sign that um kind of occurred uh one of the years I think it was the year 2018 so the one after he passed away I have a a day in the year March 15th it's not my birthday but I celebrate it as a as a, a day for my name because my name is so unique and I get a lot of attention in life because of my name so I created that day back in high school for myself that on this day I will celebrate my birth my name I love this. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I feel like there's so many things in life that you can just create to make yourself happy. And that's and that's kind of what I do. Um, that's so, such a powerful statement, creating your own happiness. So, yeah, that's such a powerful statement. Thank you. Yes. And I, and I really firmly believe that. And I think even in my most lowest points in life, that has helped me pull myself out by myself most of the time. I take my time with it. I take my time with the grief. I take my time with the pain. But when I'm ready, I figure out how to kind of step out of that zone to now be a little bit more able to live again and handle life again. But back to my point, the day is March 15th. Um, you know, I had been celebrating it with Jeffrey for the past years that I had known him. I didn't do anything big, but I would, you know, just eat something nice because I love food. Um, and celebrate. And that year, I was really sad that I'm not going to have that I didn't want to celebrate it. But I went to the cemetery. I'm like, I can do that. And I'll sit at the bench. And as I'm like, just kind of over the the gravesite, um, I end up stepping on something. And I've never, I went every day to the gravesite, every single day, and I never stepped on anything. And on that day, I stepped on something and I looked down and it was a small um, angel wing broken off of an angel that might have been around somewhere at the cemetery. I, I walked around the whole cemetery to find an angel with a broken wing and I didn't find one. But I felt that that wing was a message for me and I kept it. I still have that wing to this day. Wow, that's so lovely. And it's so like, I think sometimes it's hard to describe signs to people because unless you were there, or unless you're in that moment, it can be hard to understand. You, people might go like, oh, well, that could be anything. <laughs> and actually, it's really lovely and comforting. And I sometimes think that I'm a bit mad when I'm 
you know, finding lots of signs or feeling very connected to dad through signs. And then I think, actually, even if I do sound like I'm mad, I find so much comfort in it and I keep it. I keep mm-hmm. everything. I think, you know, it's wonderful that you still kept those angel wings. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. Yeah. How has your relationship with his family continued? You know, do you still have a close relationship and do you do things together ever? Yes, um, it's until, well, COVID happened and things, uh, like the lockdown in Canada is pretty severe and it's been going on for some time now. So it's been hard to kind of visit and um, see them at, during this time. But otherwise, I'm very much connected to them. I text them, I call them. Um, you know, I used to go to church with them before um, COVID happened. So I was doing all those things that I felt, you know, um, keep me connected to them. And I find a lot of support in that connection for myself as well, because a lot of Jeffrey is, you know, in those people who are who are related to him and his friends and all of um, all of the people who kind of contributed to his life. And I think that's a great way for me to continue to stay connected as well. That's really lovely that you've been able to um, yeah, keep those connections. And I wonder whether maybe like if he's got any siblings or his parents, maybe they might say certain phrases or do certain movements with their hands and you, you can almost see Jeffrey in them and think, gosh, that really reminds me of him. Oh, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that must be um, that. Yeah, it must be sort of like strange, but yeah, comforting at, at the same time beginning of the episode when you introduced yourself Irish you were talking about you know this this grief stuff that you do and the involvement that you have with it mm-hmm. and I was just wondering if you'd like to tell us a little bit more about that and you know how that's helped you helping other people you know how helping other people has helped you mm-hmm. uh, yeah for sure I love talking about my work I think that's I found my own way to cope for the rest of my life. And this is how it's going to be because I really, really feel passionate about it. I feel very connected. Generally, you know, the topic of death has been of um, something I've been curious about my whole life. And I didn't really like look into it that much, but all the time I would question, you know, why does it even exist? Like, why is it kind of formatted this way uh, the world is? And I always thought about that. And now that I work in it, I. I feel very, very passionate about supporting others because every time I hear a person share their story, I can, you know, see and hear the echoes of myself and my own story in there. And and it really helps me realize how connected we are as humans when we go through common experiences. It's when we truly realize we don't have to be blood related. We don't have to be friends. We can be complete strangers and completely be able to connect and understand each other. That's what I learned through this work, and it makes me feel so good to be able to talk to a lot of people, to be able to understand their stories, where they're coming from, either that be grief related to loss itself, um, like a death, or it be grief related to so many other things in life that I personally started to recognize once I dealt with this kind of grief. I realized so many other parts of my life that I was grieving, and I had no idea that it was grief until I understood it in its, in its like most deepest level. I think that's really interesting because I think I've learned a lot of things in this last year since dad died which actually make loads more sense to me now that I know a bit more about grief like I feel like it's taught me so many things I wish that I'd known sooner Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of grateful in ways for that grief you know I feel like I'm wiser in ways and I'm probably a bit more kind to myself and I listen to my I listen to my body and I listen to my mind a lot more now and I don't 
makeup is you know makeup reasons why I should be doing something okay actually it's okay for me to be sad today because my dad died so I'm gonna sit in that sadness and it's okay for me to be you know I'm exactly where I need to be I think there's a lot of self-love that I've learned from grief Mm -hmm. as well and I think me and Alice are the same in that we you know we find one of the reasons why we like doing this podcast is because we love the idea of connecting with people and hearing people's stories and hoping that we can do some justice, you know, in terms of sharing people's um, loved ones and and just remembering them, because I think it's such a powerful thing to do. You're doing an incredible job, both of you. Oh, thanks. That's so nice of you to say. And yeah, I like listening to you talking about connecting with other grievers and like shared experience and, and stuff like that. It just absolutely rings bells with me because I feel exactly the same you know there's nothing more powerful than being in a room full of strangers that have all been through the same thing I mean being in a room full of strangers isn't a thing that happens at the minute but um so you spoke you you just mentioned then about um other grief in your life like would you be happy to explain that and you know maybe sort of different types of grief not associated with death I'd like to know more about that if you're happy to share Mm -hmm, definitely and like I said I didn't recognize this as grief until I now work in it and have processed a more deeper grief per se it's something that's more I guess final in ways um, so I, when I first moved to Canada at the age of eight, um, I back at home in India, I had a nanny that, um, you know, kind of raised me, took care of me, and I was very, very close. I could say she was just as important to me as Jeffrey, and I was very close to her, very connected to her, and having to be, kind of leave her behind back home and moving to Canada took a really, really big toll on me to, the, to this day. Like, I still feel it. Um, though my other family members didn't probably realize it to that extent, they had their own, I guess, challenges of moving. But that in particular for me was a huge loss that I can't stop grieving to this point. Mm, that's really interesting because I think that loss of relationship and loss of situation is something that we don't recognize very much. And actually, lots of us experience those kind of big life changes, maybe not quite as big as moving from one country to another um, and leaving, you know, somebody that you're very close to in that in that country. But lots of people experience a breakdown of relationships or the breakdown of friendships. And that's a really big that's a big thing to lose, you know, but lots of people don't realize the, t- the toll it takes and the fact that that is grief in its own vein mm-hmm. would would you call it ambiguous loss or what what kind of term do you use in uh, in the work that you do when you talk about that kind of grief in my particular work we really do deal with death um, mostly well all of it is death related if there's any other kind of loss we don't work with that currently um, just you know because we're such a small charity and we kind of focus in on um, that kind of grief. And that is the most, I guess, identified grief in the world. Um, mm. But if, if we were to kind of, I, um, you know, acknowledge this, I would say it is ambiguous. It is, um, you know, disenfranchised as well, because not a lot of people acknowledge that moving or even leaving one school and going to another school or changing a job um, or getting, you know, married again after a spouse has died or, you know, you've been through a divorce all of those things uh, involve a lot of grief in them in different ways. And that's why I think it's not acknowledged and understood because it's different than losing someone to death. Mm. Um, But yeah. 
Yeah, and actually, because we don't, as a as a society, understand what grief from death even looks like a lot of the time, mm-hmm. imagine how hard it's going to be to try and get the concept of anything that's kind of disenfranchised grief across to, to the to the wider society to even mm-hmm. start to process and understand. How has your, um, have you got any great friends who've helped you through this time? I'm always interested, especially with um, partner loss, especially with your age as well, because you're you're very young when you lost Jeffrey and that kind of pivotal point in your life where you probably had friends who were at the same relationship stage and doing, you know, going on to maybe get married and have children. How have you coped with those kind of friendships since? It's been um, challenging, I can say that, because I personally became, I chose to kind of isolate myself into my own home. Um, And I think a lot of my friends found it very challenging to even try to get in there, to talk to me, to get me to come out, to get me to spend time with them. There were, I would say, one or two that um, decided to meet up with me from like every month or so just to talk like just we just sat in the car and talked like I didn't want to do anything and because they understood that I don't want to like they didn't push me to go oh let's go have dinner let's go do this like they didn't push me to do things but they were there to talk and that's what I really appreciated um, with those friends that they were not trying to you know get me away from my grief they were just trying to let me be in my grief and that I really appreciated. Those are the friendships, even to this day, I am still connected to. Yeah, that's that's so true. And a couple of weeks ago, we did an episode about um, how to support a grieving friend. And one of the things that we tried to sort of get across in it was don't try and, yeah, don't try and fix somebody's grief. You know, it's not something that's fixable. Don't try and sort of like hide from your friend's grief. Try and just sit with them hold Mm -hmm. their hand have a conversation listen and yeah you know what you said about um I don't I didn't want to go out for dinner or whatever I just wanted to sit and talk we don't you know it's already such an overwhelming time when you're grieving so the last thing you want is to feel even more overwhelmed with you know let's go here there and everywhere you just want somebody to listen to you don't you Mm -hmm. what would you say the nicest thing that somebody has done for you has been like and supporting you as a friend um I think the nicest thing would be it's actually one of my teachers she's I mean I don't know if I guess friend too you can call her a friend but her role in my life is more so as um my teacher she taught me and Jeffrey and uh, she was one of my biggest supports she called me all the time she really tried to help me figure out when I was ready of what I want to do with my life now she and to this day we're you know connected and as a teacher you know from in college you don't really oftentimes that you don't stay connected um that too you know over the phone and where they're checking in on you but um that I really really appreciate she helped me feel that I can do this again like I can figure out life again even though it's kind of fallen uh, apart completely bit by bit slowly over time I'll figure it out again and that hope that she had in me that I think plays a big role in where I am today. Wow, that's amazing. And how lucky are you to have that relationship with her and, and to have somebody so 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 strong kind of supporting you in rebuilding that new normal without Jeffrey in it. And it's so impossibly hard to do. But I think, you know, those those I think they're almost gifts sometimes. And we had our we had Ruby on um last week who you know, it talked about 
the people who she's met since her mum have died being gifts from her mum. And I thought that was really perfect because I really do. I'm a really strong believer of once our loved ones have passed on, you know, there are people that come into our lives and they come into our lives for a reason. And it's so great that you've got that connection. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I met a lot of people, I think, after kind of having this loss happen, people I met through my grief support group that I'm, you know, very much connected with. We can now do things, you know, outside of the support group where we can kind of hang out and talk about other things too. But at the same time, we don't feel awkward about bringing up our grief because we're all in that same type of boat and we are all those people who like talking about grief. Whereas there are some grievers who don't like talking about it and it gets a little challenging too to be able to open ourselves up in those cases. I think sometimes even, you know, there are people, as you say, who aren't good at talking about it and do find it difficult to have those conversations. But actually, I think there's a power of just listening to other people who's been through the same thing. And I think, you know, whether there's somebody that you're working with who, who doesn't talk that much, but they just listen to other people in the group and, and they can they can sit there and they can nod along and go, yep, that's how I feel. Yep, that's what's happened to me. You know, even that is powerful in itself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Would you say that this kind of work has been the biggest thing that's helped you through your grief or has there been anything else that's been a real, well, obviously Anna's a really lovely teacher who sounds like an incredible support. Has there been anything else that's really helped you get through this really crap time? Yes, I think it's, it's very much my work. And this work has kind of led me into doing something additional, um, which I think is also helping me. And I've uh, decided to expand this work into by doing a certificate in uh, wellness coaching. I'm just finishing now in this month, um, in June. And um, that opened up a little bit more of a horizon for me in the sense of how I can support others. So I'm hoping to kind of, you know, at some point have my own practice where I want to be a grief and wellness coach so I can combine the two and help people figure out how to rebuild that life, right? But step by step. And that's what the coaching aspect does. It kind of shows you how you can still have hope and how, you know, you, you, are, you can still make the best of your life um, regardless of everything that you've been through. That's amazing. And just to finish on, I think if you've got any kind of, have you got any words of wisdom or a quote that's gotten you through um, this incredible loss? I think there's just um, so much that kind of played a role. There were little pieces of so many things that all came together to bring me support. But I think one thing I can say to summarize all of it is that we, whatever we need in our life, in the moment we need it, it will in one way or another way show up and it may not be what we're expecting it may not be what we've kind of you know envisioned for ourselves it may be very different but it is exactly what we're supposed to have in that moment there for us and so just staying open to that potential that um, every moment can lead you to a really beautiful life I think that helped me a lot when I finally realized that I can't really shut myself down to everything because I still have to live and shutting myself down is just going to make it that much more painful. So once I started to open myself up again, just to the general world and general life and kind of enjoying things again, either that be, you know, reading or watching TV or talking to people, all of that really helped me step by step to kind of like, you know, bloom like a flower again, whereas at some point I had died completely because of the grief and I came back to life. So I think 
we all have that potential to come back to life after we've lost a loved one because that can feel like our own death in many respects. Wow, what an amazing bit of advice. And I think, yeah, that's just so powerful what you've just said there. And actually, I think I'm sure Lucy will agree with me that throughout this whole episode, you have had so much great stuff to say. And I think that you're, you know, you're really going to go on to, I mean, you're already doing amazing things, but I think you're going to just go on to do so much more stuff and you're going to help so many more people and just like grow and develop yourself and all in the name of Jeffrey, which is just absolutely, yeah, it's just blown me away a bit to be honest <laughs> mm. yeah it's really nice and it's just such a nice way to honor his legacy I think just yeah I don't know how to put it but I think you've put it right there Alice that you know you've you can really this episode's really kind of highlighted how much power you found from the pain and how much of an enabler you are to then be able to utilize that power and feed it back out to the grief community and help people when they're in those darkest days. You know, I'm sure that everybody who comes in to, to speak to you are just so, so thankful for your support. So, yeah, so nice to speak to you. And it's really nice to hear about Jeffrey. <laughs> thank you both so much. I can't thank you both enough, the work you're doing. I, you know, listen to your episodes and the different stories and just learn so much. You know, I feel like there's always something to learn from every person you interact with. And I've learned so much from both of you. Thank you so much. I, I really feel, you know, the love that we're shown in our life, if we can just double that up and give it out. And I think Jeff has given me so much love that all I want to do is any opportunity I can potentially get to spread that because that's what his legacy really is, the love that he Aww. gave out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Grief Sofa podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review to help us reach new listeners. If you have enjoyed listening and would like to join us on The Grief Sofa, please get in touch on Instagram at The Grief Sofa or email us thegriefsofa at gmail.com.